This is the Day Zero Update for January 5th, 2020. I'm Philippe Odenolfo. I'm Patrick Mifflin. I'm Brandon Perkins. And I'm Lee Lamb. And Chris Olge will be joining us in a little bit. Uh, so it's a uh, new year. Uh, how do we do this again? This is a uh, this is a show where we talk about things like news and gaming and whatever the hell else is on our mind. Apparently, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Uh, did any of you guys get a chance to actually make any headway on your backlogs? Oh, I didn't try. <laughs> Doesn't know yeah. for me, dog. Yeah, uh, it's like a, yeah. Actually, no, I didn't really get. No, no it's I, like, an attempt was made. Yeah, I'll I, say that. Wait, I, I attempted it and I got uh, nowhere. <laughs> so uh, that's okay. Uh, at least uh, when I'm in the old folks' home, I'll have plenty of stuff to play. Uh, mm-hmm. That's going. Yeah. Anyways, uh, but yes, the start of a new year, which means uh, also the start of a new month, which also means new PlayStation Plus and games with gold games. Yeah, boy, uh, Sony's like. Really not doing a whole hell of a lot with this, are they? It's like they're not really even trying. Eh, I mean, they put out the entire Uncharted trilogy. Yeah, but that's like a $20 game at this point. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. And Uncharted trilogy is one of them. And uh, what's the other one that they're, they're giving us this year, this month? Uh, da, da, da. Oh, Goat Simulator, which, you know, agree, arguably is like the greatest game ever made. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, if you haven't played it, now there's you have no excuse. Uh, also, the precursor to Untitled Goose Game, so you kind of get an idea of where that thing came from. Uh, but, yeah, it's... I don't know, if you've never played uh, any of the Uncharted series, I guess this is good for you. Uh, but it's not a real great start to the year. And again, there's really nothing out, nothing out there right now. So Yeah, I mean, to be kind of honest, we're... Uh... It's the, it, you know, we've got it until March yeah. when they start piling on us, so. Yeah, I was looking for, like, new releases that were coming out this week, and it was like, fuck off. There's pretty much nothing coming out until <laughs> next month at the earliest. Yeah. And uh, so uh, we'll move over to the Xbox One front where things are, I guess, a little uh, little better. Well, with uh, sticks, shards of darkness. To, no, no, nope. That's not a good look. <laughs> uh, the Telltale series from Batman and Telltale series. That's uh, that's pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Um, Tekken Six for the Xbox One via backwards compatibility. You can get that at the uh, second half of the month. Uh, no, actually, that's available right now. And then the second half of the month is Lego Star Wars Two for the Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty so, mm. via backwards compatibility, of course. Uh, okay. Four some, somewhat decent games. Well, apart from Sticks, which is terrible. Oh. Uh, Batman the Telltale series, uh, heard pretty good things about that one. It's pretty fun. Yeah. Pretty fun. So, that was, you know, pretty good. Um, Tekken 6, it's, it's Tekken 6. Um, probably one of the weak points in the series, if I had to say anything. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not, not great. And Lego Star Wars too. It's Lego Star Wars. Mm-hmm. It's it's solid. It's fun. It's yeah, solid yeah. fun. Yeah, they got and some short shit in it too. <laughs> yeah. So uh, and short. My yeah. favorite thing, my favorite thing they ever did in any of the Lego games was in Lego Star Wars for um, Empire. Mm. We're fighting Darth Vader, and 
instead of doing the whole, you know, no, I am your father thing, like fucking Vader pulls out a picture of him and Luke together <laughs> when Luke's a baby and like points at it. Luke's like, uh uh-uh, uh uh-uh. Vader's like, uh huh, uh huh. And like there's a little heart that pops out and he keeps pointing at the picture. Uh, <laughs> that is one of my favorite things ever in gaming that I've ever seen because it's like such an iconic moment and they're like, let's have fun with it. So there's a lot of little funny touches in those games. They're worth playing. They're short too and they're fun. Yeah, that's uh, that's one of the nice things that Traveler's Tales have been doing lately with those Lego games is just, you know, just opening up and having a lot of fun with them. Uh, they don't take – it's Lego, so you can't really take the, the subject matter too seriously. Mm-hmm. And it just ends up working. Like, you know – they have uh, Lego Batman, which is well, pretty hilarious <laughs> to be honest. So, um, so yeah, there's your free games for the month. Uh, if you were uh, following the Epic Store sales, uh, you pretty probably ended up with about uh, a dozen or so games uh, in your library. I did anyway. Uh, yeah, as were... did I. I'll still never play them, but <laughs> I got them just in case. <laughs> yeah. So well, it's. I have, uh, I, I think I'm getting FTL on like every platform at this point. Uh, so, yeah. That game is ridiculously good, though. Yeah. yeah I still play it on my iPad. So, yeah, it's, you know, if you really think about it, the amount of games that, um, you know, Epic gives away, uh, like, because they do one, at least one every week. Um, you really wouldn't need to pay any money to be a PC gamer if you just stuck with what the, you know, with what they were putting out, because a lot of the stuff that they're actually giving away is pretty damn good. So, and maybe that's the maybe that's the point. That's their diabolical plan to rule the world. <laughs> I think I figured it out. Tim Sweeney <laughs> is a genius. <laughs> now, if maybe their launcher didn't suck. Yeah. Let's, let's say let's not go that far. Baby steps. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, so what have we been up to this week? Uh, for me, it's been, well, a little bit of PC building simulator here and there. Uh, I've, uh, been playing some Bloodstained and getting back to that. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, they, they finally got the PlayStation 4 version up to date. I don't know what the whole big holdup was. Apparently they were waiting on the Japanese launch to get the patch going for some reason. Huh. Um, the Xbox One version is now up to date again, so yeah, you can play it without it crashing. That's that's a uh, usually a positive thing to be able to play a game without crashing. We'll yeah. talk a little bit more about that. In a it, bit. It's a nice feature. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons that that game being so fucking buggy uh, for me playing it on Xbox, I couldn't put it on my on my top ten of the year list um, just because it's like. Ugh. <laughs> I had so many hard locks and so many bullshit things yeah you know? well, that's that's all been fixed now so you can actually sit down and enjoy it uh six months later yeah. nice nice job guys uh and uh of course now i'm playing the 4k waiting game because on tuesday i'll be waiting i'll be getting my 4k tv yeah a uh, little bit of christmas money and uh a little bit of money from uh, my side and well and, Thanks to oh, yeah. uh, some Boxing Day sales, I was able to pick up a TCL 50-inch uh, 4K TV with HDR for nice. like 300 yeah. bucks. Uh, I, I think at this point, we can pretty much say that 4K is definitely a mass-market thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Only sure. because you finally bought in. Now it's mass-market, Phil. It wasn't before. Exactly. No. I, I, I am the tastemaker. Uh, no, uh, not, not, not in the slightest. Uh, 
because my number one game was PC Building Simulator and nobody else played it. So, uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, the fact, the fact of the matter is 4K at this point is kind of becoming commoditized. Uh, we're getting to the point where you can get a pretty decent 4K TV for like three, four hundred bucks. And that's like, you know, and I'm talking like a tiny little thing. I'm talking like 50 inch or hot or more. Uh, sure, you can spend a lot more if you want to get, you know, OLED and, you know, full, uh, yeah, you know, or quantum LED from Samsung and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. but yeah, the, on the, on the high end, I think, uh, you know, that's always going to be a certain set section of the market. Uh, but when it comes down to it, when you start getting stuff to into the three, $400 price range, that usually is when people start jumping in. Uh, yeah. It's also like, uh, which is ironic. Cause now I think it's CES. Aren't they doing like eight K TVs? Yeah, they're mm-hmm. yeah, they're going to be doing 8K TVs, but you know, it's it's still going to take five six years for that yeah, to really so, become any kind on. of an adoption. Like, and the thing you know? is, what's what's funny about that is this that's you know one of the things we talk about a lot on the show is a product searching for you know a consumer or you know something solving a problem and searching <laughs> for one that kind of thing. Yeah. This feels like one of those same things to me because sports for the most part are still in 1080p. We're just finally having streaming services do 4K. And it's not still not that good. And then now you're gonna be like 8K. Like, yeah, sorry, dog. <laughs> yeah, I'm not not no. It's, that shit ain't happening. Yeah. Well, they got to get the TVs out uh, this year for the 2020 Olympics because those will be broadcast in 8K um, for some reason. I don't know why, but they will be. Uh, but Is it summer or winter Olympics? It's summer. I can't remember. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Everybody wants to see those gymnastics in 8K. Also, I read something that was saying like 8K doesn't make a shit bit of difference unless it's above 85 inches. Yeah. I don't know if that's yeah. true, but like I've got a 65 inch TV, and I would get a bigger one, but uh, my wife would murder me. <laughs> um. So yeah, I just can't see that also being a thing. Like I feel like 65 is about as big as you can get before it just gets absurd. Yeah. I mean, it depends on how far you're sitting away and whether how good your eyesight is. You know, there's a lot of a lot of factors. But you know, when you get down to the pixel densities that you're seeing with 8K, you get to the point where it's just it doesn't make any difference. It's like your your eye physically can't resolve it, and it doesn't matter how good your eyesight right. is; it's just too dense to see it. And that's what the source matters too. And yeah. nobody's nobody's up to par on that. Going back to like the streaming thing, which would go back to data caps, which you talk about all the time. Like this 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 country doesn't have the infrastructure to even provide that kind of streaming for that kind of tech. Yeah. But yeah, like 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 I say, like this year you're going to see those 8K TVs at uh, CES. Some of them are going to go on sale, but uh-huh. it's. It's really going to be five, six years before, you know, it gets to the point where people start looking at it seriously and then probably another two, three before people start really adopting it. And by then, well, you know, you'd get 4K TVs for, you know, 50, 60 bucks because that's how this technology stuff works. Mm. Uh, if you if you hung on to your CRT TV, now might be a very good time to sell it. Uh-huh. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have two in my, my garage. Yeah, I've got two here in my closet. Yeah. Seems, my wife uh, desperately wants me to toss them out. I'm like, I can't do it, baby. Yeah. We're going to build an arcade cabinet or something. She's like, you've been saying that for five years. <laughs> I said, yeah, but you know, when Trump starts World War Three, we can hide in the TV. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, it's just that big. Yeah. 
So. But yeah, there's a there's actually a pretty booming secondary market for uh, 4K TVs among well 4K no not 4K TVs uh, 4K TVs are like the enemy for retro gamers. It's uh, for yeah, CRT yeah. TVs for retro gamers, uh, especially the uh, like the Sony uh, Wegas. Yeah, if you have yeah. that one, have one I've got else. one too. I have yeah. a I have an XBR. Yeah. Wega and then just a regular XBR. Yeah. So yeah, have to have some. I think little... it's 32 inch and. 36-inch? Oh, the 36-inch Wega is actually one of the rarest that there are right now. Uh, those are worth big money if you find the right person. <laughs> All right, I hope my wife did listen to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't. Yeah. Because otherwise, she's going to get come to work home. on that cabinet. Yeah, yeah. She's going to come home and be like, hey, I heard we can make some money off of this. And I'm going to be sitting there like, fuck! <laughs> so... Um, so that's kind of been it for me. How about you, Pat? Um, Street Fighter Five is how I rang in the new year with uh, an eleven-game winning streak, so that felt pretty good. Yeah, um, feels good to be returning to form in that game. And um, ever since the Champion Edition patch uh, balance patch dropped, I've it, the game just feels fantastic. And so um, it's probably going to be finding its way back into my usual gaming practice again um you know among other fighting games but uh other than that i'm uh getting to work on my nhl 20 video project uh sort of a thought experiment about how would i draft and uh develop an expansion franchise if i were given the the keys to one and once it gets out of preseason and the regular season gets started, then I'll do an introductory video um, explaining how I put together the roster and why um, why I have it the way it is. But um, so far, it's been a lot of fun to put together, and I'm really looking forward to to seeing how how this happens. Uh, um, my my long term plan is to actually stream games on Twitch. Yeah. Um, just actually watching essentially broadcast footage of uh, this team um, that I've assembled going through an 82 game season and, um, you know, seeing how they do. Hmm. But based on how preseason is going, I'm actually really excited because um, what I was able to put together between the expansion draft and the, um, and NHL free agency um even in year one, I'm icing a pretty competitive team from the looks of it. So we'll have to see how it comes together. But um, as this video project develops, I'll definitely be uh, talking about it more on the show here. All right. Sounds pretty cool. Yep. Uh, so how about you, Brandon? Uh, well, I, you know, I got a good haul for Christmas this year. Um, I got both uh, Jedi Fallen Order and The Outer Worlds. Mm-hmm. Um. I played and finished Jedi Fallen Order. Hmm. Um, not a terribly long game, but oh. it is a fun one. So it went by pretty fast. And yeah, there is that big reveal that happens at the tail end of the game that's like, holy shit! Hmm. But, the one that won the EA ruin with the preview? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did, um, did you have any issue with the backtracking? Because that was one of the reasons I got so frustrated with it. Nah, not really. Mm-hmm. It didn't bother me that much. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing that did bother me was the freaking camera. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
other than that, I mean, the game was a lot of fun. Um, so, with that out of the way, I've been playing The Outer Worlds mostly for the last couple of days. Um, a lot of fun. Very funny. <laughs> um, and the uh, only issue I got with that game is that it's not really very forthcoming in... You know, like its directions, like the way it tries to, you know, you got to go to this area, but it doesn't really show you very well how you're supposed to get to it. Hmm. Um, it's not really good at like letting you know, like there's a door here or a hallway you need to go down or something like that. So hmm. you're kind of hunting for access to areas that should be like very like clear how you get there but no you have to like go around a staircase or and it wouldn't be a problem if the graphics were a little bit brighter than they are hmm. um but because it has sort of that dingy lived in future thing going for it uh it means that some of these some of these uh access points are a little obscure for my liking um other than that though it's very good um it's also very obvious that they took the engine they used to make fallout new vegas to make this game yeah um because it basically is fallout new vegas with different window dressing yeah i mean for god's sakes they even got their own like sort of semi cute semi retro mascot for the game um the spacer's choice guy yeah um but it's definitely a lot of fun, very funny, um, very topical, weirdly enough, and also weirdly nuanced in the way it approaches its themes in ways that I was not expecting. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a great game. You a- absolutely, um, you know, absolutely uh, recommend. Also, the way that, like, okay, so if you've played Fallout especially Fallout New Vegas, you know that there's like a good deal of that game that's involving you uh, basically making choices to sort of further the plot. And although New Vegas, you know, it's Fallout Universe, some of those uh, choices, you know, they seem to have like a pretty clear outcome. But the ones that you do in the Outer Worlds will usually uh, affect things in ways you don't really see at first. But it it has a significant difference on the way down the road. Um, but yeah, it's just it's a great game. Absolutely recommend it. Hmm. And uh, since you know it was on sale for fifteen dollars, I decided to get the definitive edition of Witcher Three. Yeah. Um, and thing is, I've already always played... a solid choice. Yeah. Uh, thing is, I've already played the base game for Witcher Three, and I was you know content with the way that game ended. Uh, but I never really got a good chance to play the two expansions. And the expansions individually are about the length of Witcher 2. Mm. So I was like, well, hell, I got two games in one. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to it. And of course, you don't actually have to finish the base game to play the expansions. You can actually play the expansions on their own. Mm. So, yeah. That's... uh what i've been playing so lee what about you uh actually the only thing i've really been playing um has been a second run through of, of Sekiro on new game plus um mm-hmm. that last boss was uh, one of the hardest goddamn things i've ever played yep. and uh the game is definitely um 
definitely kind of bullshit kind of part way through it. Um, some of the enemies are just like I feel like masochists play this game, and I'm not one of them. I really just wanted to kind of see how it is. Like the level design in this game is exquisite, um, but it doesn't really show it, it that much in the beginning. Um, when you start getting into the later game, and it's like uh, just like the the use of color and, and the verticality to the levels and everything, it's very different than anything that I've seen from uh, from software. So I've really been enjoying that. Um, I, I'm going for the platinum because um, I'm really close. So I just have to get one more ending, um, which I think probably will take me like, I don't know, five or six hours to get to. Hmm. And uh, then I'll be done with it. And then I'm not quite sure what I'm going to play next. I got so much stuff. I'm just – I'm starting a new role at my job tomorrow. So I don't know like how much time that's going to take up. I don't know what that's going to kind of do with being in my own headspace as far as work goes and stuff like that. So I hear um, that. I'm going to probably just play that by ear. I'm not quite sure. So that's the other reason I'm trying to just finish up the new game plus in Sekiro. Because, like, after being at work and being frustrated, the last thing I want to do is come home and be frustrated by a game. <laughs> you know? So, I'm yeah, not not really sure what I'll be playing, but I'm sure it'll be something. I'm still gonna, I'm still working my way through Xenogears, but I haven't touched that in, like, two weeks. So, yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Right. Yeah, that's that's literally it. Nothing, nothing impressive. All right. Okay. That's totally fine. All right, so let's get into the news of the week, or last couple of weeks, because we didn't have a show last well, week. Well, we were out. Yeah. Uh, so this was funny. Uh, on January 1st, immediately as soon as the time uh, went over to January 1st, 2020, WWE 2K20 stopped working. Yep. <laughs> Bold of you to assume it worked before that. Well, Okay. <laughs> It was uh, it was it was broken before. Uh, that's un- that is underselling it. But <laughs> you could actually get into matches, uh, yeah. And you know the game would not crash. Uh, as soon as January first, twenty twenty rolled around, you couldn't even load in it into any matches. Uh, Sounds like it was doing you a favor. <laughs> yeah. So uh, basically. It was, they figured out that it was, in fact, the date because people set their clock their clock back to December 31st and tried it, and it works. Uh, so, yeah, that's uh, yet another uh, example of that game being completely effed. Uh, 2K released a patch uh, one day later, on January 2nd, to uh, fix the game. Okay, well... What is so- the break? Yeah, well, didn't break anything. It's just the game is now at least wow. playable. Um, so this, this reminds me of like, remember all the Y2K shit? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's gonna, oh, yeah. gonna work right, and then like nothing happened. We roll into 2020, and and WWE 2K is borked. It, it's just know, funny that you know WWE 2K20, the year that it's supposed to be relevant yeah. in, is the year it doesn't didn't work. <laughs> but that game yeah. had just so many problems to begin with. I've actually encountered quite a bit of this at work, too. We've seen a few utility providers where we're getting bills coming in that have due dates in 1920. <laughs> oh, dear God. <laughs> that's, uh... Whoa. Yeah. I mean, we just like, learned our like fucking less than 20 years ago. Mm. Yeah, the late uh, the late charges on those bills are going to be pretty extreme. Yeah. Oof. 100 years overdue. That's, that's, uh, that's a problem. 
So th- thankfully, we've not encountered any that have had uh, glitched late fees as a re- result of this bug. They're just getting really weird due dates coming in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess uh, people have been telling them, uh, guys, you need to fix your shit. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so at least uh, we know that 2K, the a multi-billion, the multi-million, tens of billions. I don't know if they're a billion-dollar company yet, but uh, they're worth a lot of money. Uh, their standard is uh, at least it runs. So that that's that's where we are as far as 2K games goes. At least it runs. I feel like, I feel like that's most of the industry now. <laughs> or did, or it's, it's the equivalent of like, did you die? <laughs> no, no, but, but it's yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, it's, I don't know what's going to happen with uh, the the 2K WWE series going forward, but mm-hmm. um, their old developer is uh, not working on uh, that series anymore, and uh, therein lies the problem. <laughs> yeah, uh, but uh, at I, least that means there's an easy fix. Mm-hmm. No, they they don't really want to work on WWE oh. anymore. <laughs> so that was well, part of the fuck. problem. Uh, yeah, if only there was another um, alternative wrestling promotion that was uh, tearing up the airwaves recently. One uh, that is currently making the WWE eat, basically eating their lunch. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's where that development team is going to be going. And uh, I thought they had already signed a deal with hockey. I don't know what they're doing, but mm, we'll see. Could be. You might be right about that. I haven't haven't uh, checked in too closely on that. Uh, that was just something I heard in passing, but I'm pretty sure I heard something to that effect. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll see. Visual concepts. There's some talented folks there, so we'll see what they do. Uh, moving on, uh, we got word that Untitled Goose Game, uh, where you're a goose and thus an asshole, uh, uh-huh. has sold uh, a million copies. Uh, proving that you don't need massive budgets to make a good deal of money. Uh, this is going to be relevant later on when we do our um, trends. Yep. Yeah. Uh, any of you folks actually played this game? No. 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 It's great. No, it's, but my kid has, and it looks fucking hysterical. It is just... It's stupid, it's dumb, it's mindless, and it's... A whole lot of fun just because it really doesn't take itself too seriously, and it the mechanics are actually pretty sound too. So, you know, it's there's a good game underneath all the all the stupidness. So, you know, it, I just got tired of seeing all the memes. Yeah, you know, and uh, as I said earlier, uh, this is the uh, uh, spiritual sequel, maybe to Goat Simulator, even though it's different developers. So, yeah, kinda, yeah. Kind of the same idea. Anyways. Goat Simulator sucks, though. I hate that fucking game. <laughs> no, hey, I'm wow. serious, because my kid was like, he would not shut up about that stupid game. And then I was sitting there, and I watched him play it, and I was like, this is the dumbest fucking thing I've ever seen. But I really like Untitled Goose Game. Maybe it's because it's a fucking goose, and it doesn't look as fucking janky. <laughs> Sorry, I have very strong feelings about this, as you can tell. <laughs> yeah, I but do they really... not like Goat Simulator. That game fucking sucks. They released Goat Simulator, Goat MMO Simulator, which I was, know, like yeah. there's so much cleverness, and then it's just jank fucking city. It's ugly as shit. And then my kid was like, "Mom, Dad, you guys got to watch this." And me and my wife sat there, and we were both like, "I think I'd rather eat lead paint than watch this game." <laughs> yeah, uh, the, the I guess I guess like I kind of knew that the jank was entirely part of it because, uh, well, it, Goat Simulator wasn't even supposed to be a game that went on sale. 
but you know, when they showed the concept off, uh, a whole bunch of people were throwing money at uh, uh, that coffee stain. And we're like, well, okay, I guess we have to put it out now. So, and it just kind of took off. Uh, so, yeah, the the it's supposed to be completely broken. <laughs> so that's. Yeah. I don't know, man. There's a level of jank in that where I think if it was any other company, we would try and, like, kill them. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just, like, the whole concept of it is fine. Like, this, like he showed us, like, the, the devil goat. And like, there's some clever stuff in it, but that game is so ugly and so terrible feeling. I'm just not into it. Like I said, the idea behind a lot of it is clever. Like, yeah, they did the goat MMO. And did they do, like, a GTA goat or something like that? Yeah, they did a, a crossover with with Payday. Yeah, um, they did Goat Simulator. Well, goat see now Z. that if if it actually was if I could play the goat in Payday, <laughs> that would be cool. Robbing a bank as a goat, I can I can get behind that. <laughs> yeah, they gotta do that. They did uh, Goat Z, so uh, yeah, your zombie survival as a goat. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the last one they did was Goat Simulator: Waste of Space. Uh, yeah, which was basically a uh, takeoff on crowdfunding, which was actually pretty damn hilarious. So, yeah, it, it's clever and it's super janky. And well, if that's not something you go for, then that's that's fine. But I, I liked it just because it was so incredibly dumb. I, I love it when the developers go in their change log. Uh, we fixed these bugs and probably added a few hundred more. <laughs> that's that's such literally. is the nature of bug fixes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at least they're honest about it. Yeah. All right, so moving on, we have another story about Red Dead Redemption. Uh, we kind of talked about this particular project a few months back. Uh, yeah, and we knew exactly what was going to happen, too. Yeah, so Damn Dev was working on uh, basically enhancing the PlayStation 3 version of uh, Red Dead Redemption to run on the PC through, well, RPCS 3 because you managed to actually get that to work, uh, so they can have a, have a high-def version of Red RDR 1 on the PC. Uh, naturally, 2K was not too enthused about this prospect and told them to, uh, stop it. Just stop it now. Yeah. Uh, well, he didn't. And now he's getting sued. Yep. Like we didn't see this coming. (laughs) As you just said. Um. Guys obviously never paid attention to Nintendo fan projects and what happens there. Yeah. And yeah, Nintendo is like one of the most litigious out there, but you know, 2K is greedy and litigious. Um, so yeah, so we're not sure exactly what's going on there. If he's going to be paying up a whole lot of money, or if he's just going to become an indentured servant over at Rockstar to actually make a uh, PC port of RDR One. What? So he he would be like just like a regular employee? Well, yeah. Uh, uh, that would that that would probably be the deal. It's like you uh you you can pay us a whole lot of money, or uh, you can become an employee and we don't pay you hardly anything, and you'll work a long, really long hours. Uh, I'm not sure which one of these is a worse scenario for the guy. Yeah, I, I, I think the, actually being the employee is probably worse. But anyway, uh, yeah, we know that uh, Take Two and Rockstar working conditions have not exactly been uh, very well reported lately. Some, some issues there, to, to, be, to be sure. Yeah, so, yeah, it's sad. We're not going to get a PC version of RDR1, at least for the time being. Uh, and, by the way, uh, it doesn't actually stop the, uh, the PS3 version from working on an emulator. It 
just means his enhanced version isn't going to come out. So yeah, you can still play it if you really want to. Anyway. Uh, another news: Final Fantasy VII remake demo kind of leaked onto the internet this week. Eh, well, it leaked in bits and pieces. Yeah, and then um, somebody did an entire playthrough of it. Yeah, they did kind of like they also did some data mining as well. Yeah, um, it seems to suggest that what something I had actually um, suspected was going to happen um, that. Although this is basically the story of Final Fantasy VII, they are making some small adjustments to the plot, mm-hmm. sort of. Specifically, like, so, I don't want to get too spoilery, but in what we've got linked, they talk about, you know, because what's the first thing that you're doing in Final Fantasy VII? It's mm-hmm. your cloud, you're with Avalanche, and what are you doing? Blowing up a power Basically, basically yeah, carrying out a terrorist attack. <laughs> yeah. Now... What happens in, during that terrorist attack in this game is it apparently does uh, – it, 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 the effect that it has on the factory isn't quite the way it is in the in the original, hmm. um, which kind of make – in hindsight, kind of makes sense because – well, but, 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 just read the article. Yeah. Because, again, I don't want to spoil it or anything, but yeah. – yeah, I just find it interesting that they call a they call something that's a twenty two gig download a demo. <laughs> yeah, uh, like no, I mean uh, the the demo part of it is in the um, the substance of the content, not yeah. the volume of it. <laughs> yeah, well, it's supposed to be about an hour. Uh, I'm an hour ish of content. Uh, yeah, that's a demo. Yeah, although uh, from what I've uh, from what I've heard, uh, they've actually. They've actually found that there's a little bit more than that if you that you can get access to if you know how. So I don't know. Uh, clearly, we're gonna see this show up on uh, PSN for everybody at some point. So uh, I guess it's uh, yeah, it might be worth trying. I mean, it might get people who were on the fence to go. Well, you know what? This might be for me. Or nope, I'm done. <laughs> we'll, we'll see how that goes. You know, I've seen what they've put together in the way of gameplay options, and I just don't feel like my list of demands is being met. Hmm. <laughs> so, um, you know, a, a demo would be a nice no-risk uh, way of confirming that, hmm. but um, I'm not optimistic. Yeah. Well, we'll keep following this, and, you know, I'll, uh, if it ever shows up on PSN for everybody to download, I'll, you know, start my downloader and try it out. I mean, it's only going to cost me an hour, and... Uh, you know, well, an hour of my time to actually play, and then maybe two to download. So, whatever. Not that huge. Of a um, I checked. By the way, the game actually comes out uh, February, uh, March third. Yeah. So. so they don't have much time anyway. No. Nope. Uh, it's basically something that they're going to be, you know, pushing out pretty quickly. I would imagine. Yeah. So. Uh, so this is actually pretty cool. Uh, this video series that came out from Lunchhouse uh, Studios. Uh, showing the unreleased Portal prequel called uh, F-Stop. Now, is is this, like, legit in the Portal universe, or is it that prototype that served as the as the original nucleus for Portal? This is legit. Uh, okay. Yeah, this would have come out after Portal, but it would have been a prequel. Uh, mm-hmm. It started work in 2007 and never really came out. Uh, from... If you have a you have a look at the article, what you'll end up seeing is uh, you're using a camera to take pictures of stuff. 
the stuff you take pictures of, you can duplicate and place uh, elsewhere in the game world to solve puzzles. Uh, so it's a little bit of an interesting dynamic, and I, th- I, th- I can kind of see why they didn't go ahead and release this at the time. Uh, the the entire concept of you know probably just taking pictures is you know would have been a little bit uh, hard for a lot of people to get their head, heads around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then smartphones happened, and everybody takes pictures. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, even though this article says that, uh, they don't really know if, uh, this is supposed to be a teaser or if it's just like a documentary effort, this is totally coming out. Uh, they're, they're totally going to work, work on this. Like, why, why would you give, uh, the original source code to a game to another developer? Yeah. <laughs> makes, makes no goddamn sense, uh, unless you plan to finish it up and then release it. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's what I'm hoping will actually happen. And, uh, if so, uh, yeah, I'll get this cause it looks very intriguing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah. Fuck it. I'll try it. Yeah. And it's like, there's, there's one section where, uh, you'd like, uh, take a picture of a ceiling fan and then put the fan on the floor and then step up onto it. And it like pushes you up, uh, the air current mm-hmm. will push you up uh, out of the, <laughs> out of the test chamber. And it's like, okay, <laughs> I, I see where they were going with this. And Knowing the uh, you know the developers behind it, it probably would have gone into some very strange places. Uh, the amount of things you could take pictures of and duplicate. Uh, we'll just leave that at that. Almost like a scavenger hunt. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so next up, before we get to our big topic of the day, we'll talk about uh, modders. We love them. And uh, they, they're now proving why the PC is the best platform ever. Uh, because they're putting Shirley Curry or uh, Gaming Grandma into Skyrim as a follower. And I'm so excited about that. Have you ever actually watched any of her videos? She is they great. They are fucking adorable. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I just think it's so cool. Like, she's so... Like, she's so even. Like, she's so even-keeled, but she was just so excited. But you could see that. Like, oh, I'm just getting into Skyrim. I'm going to do this thing. Like, this is the set of people, like, I think that... Nintendo would like to play Animal Crossing, yeah. except this lady's like, I'm going to fuck a dragon up. I don't give a <laughs> yeah. fuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's coming out uh, soon. Yeah, you're going to be able to uh, get her as a follower. She's got quest lines. She's got her own kill quotes, which I am sure <laughs> will be amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, if you don't have Skyrim on the PC, I don't know what you've been waiting for. It's cheap. Get it. And then play this because uh, it will be amazing. All right. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Crystal isn't here yet, so that's a problem. But we'll get on to this uh, big topic of the week, and we're going to look ahead to 2020. Uh, so we'll start off with what games in particular we're looking forward to. Uh, at least, for, and pretty much all of us have that one on there, so <laughs> that we know of. <laughs> uh, yeah, so far I'm seeing, yeah, that's that's... That's interesting. By definition, it has to be a big E3. There are two consoles coming out. We don't know a lot of what's going to be there at launch, and that's probably going to be the lion's share of you know the really big titles this year. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So uh, we'll get to it. For me, it's uh, Doom Eternal. I'm still optimistic about this, but given the way Bethesda has been um, behaving as of late, uh, my uh, optimism is starting to wane. Their behavior is uh, just fuck. 
Yeah, yeah. it's at, at this point they're starting to look a whole lot like uh, Activision or EA or 2K as far as their whole you know monetization strategy and how they handle the community and yeah it's it's starting to look uh, like this company is uh, starting to get a little on the F side. Uh, I mean, you had three major players from that uh, particular company leave in the same month. That's usually not a good sign. Uh, so yeah, I'm not entirely sure what's going on there. We'll see if maybe the game will come out and it'll be great or Bethesda will somehow fuck it up, uh, which is entirely possible as well. Having tried Doom VFR, um, yeah, I, I still have a bad taste in my mouth from that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, next one that I'm looking forward to is a uh, cyberpunk 2077, of course. Yep. Uh, I'm not sure if I'll even be able to play that game, but I'm still excited, super excited for it. I can't wait. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I've got it, uh, pre-ordered. It's going to be for my PS4. I am absolutely ready to just straight up delete everything else on that system if I have to. (laughs) (laughs) It's not going to be that big, I don't think. (laughs) Hopefully, anyway. Uh, so there's that. Uh, Pat mentioned uh, Street Fighter V uh, earlier. He's been playing, so I'm also looking forward to Street Fighter V CE. It's coming out next yes. month. Mm-hmm. Uh, the balance, the balance patch has already landed, and it, it it just feels so good to play now. Yeah, like it always did feel pretty good to play, but they've really perfected it at this point. Yeah. So the patch is out, but the content isn't. Right. Okay. So. But if you um, because it's a it's got a lot, like the vast majority of the DLC included with it. If you do the upgrade now, you already get all the content that's available. Oh, so that's yeah. That's it doesn't include the um, the limited stuff like the the Red Bull costumes and things of that sort. But um, you know the the basic DLC is all there. Yeah, stages, costumes, things of that nature. Hmm, that's yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, so also been looking forward to Axiom Verge 2, uh, yep. which is, prob- like I said, probably the game that's going to get me to buy a Switch. Yeah. Uh, probably And it's, than- it's, a, it's another one-man project, too, isn't it? Yeah, it's still Tom, just doing his yep. thing. Mm. All right. Yeah, so there's that. And then, of course... We've got to reach out to him, see how he's doing. Yeah. We'll see if yeah, I, I should have listed that one. I wasn't even thinking. It, 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 doesn't, it doesn't seem real to me. I know that sounds weird, but... <laughs> it's real. It's going to happen. Yeah. So, and then of course the uh, next gen systems, which yeah, it's going to be an interesting E three to see how this is, this all shakes out. Mm. Uh, it's uh, twenty twenty is we're we're launching with two systems probably within a month of each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know whether or not. Uh, yeah, I mean they're going to launch within a month of each other. You can't. Uh, you, you wouldn't want to schedule them within a week of each other. That would be insane. And, or on the well, same I mean, day. We, we've seen two and three day gaps in the past. Yeah, but we're in a different economic time right now. <laughs> uh, you got to give some people time for uh, their their wallets to recover. Yeah. Now you think they care? Yeah, probably not. Well, I think it's going to be interesting that them being launched so closely to one another because, to Phil's point, not a lot of people have that kind of income. So I think what, what you'll see from the jump is really – the systems that'll be important to people, you know, whether that's jumping back yeah. into the Xbox ecosystem or staying with PS, you know, the PlayStation ecosystem. I see what you did there. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think about that actually until you brought it up. But I think that'll be a, a, kind of like the where you'll see the lines drawn essentially, and and I think that that momentum will be very important. I think if you're if you're putting them both together, I think that Microsoft has to have a much more compelling statement for why people should buy the Xbox Series X, whatever the fuck, at launch, than Sony will um, for the for the PlayStation Five. Um, so I'm really curious to see how that plays out. Like I think what's going to be really important for Microsoft is all the maneuvering that they're doing and, and basically what they're looking to have set up at launch. I think in order for them to even try and get the edge, I mean, they've got to hit Sony three times harder than Sony's willing to hit them. Um, and really kind of, even though I, I, I kind of consider Sony and, and, uh, and Microsoft on similar footing in this case, um, not that I think that we're in a Dreamcast situation where everybody waited, you know, because the PlayStation 2 is coming out. But, you know, the PlayStation 4 has been has had a decisive enough lead um, and win this generation that, that Microsoft is really pushing a boulder uphill. So I think it's going to – what they do over this next year up to the launch is going to be super important because I don't think they're going to be able to have a comeback kid-style story if they just have a shit launch for the first year and then like a year and a half – two years into it, they totally reverse it. I think at that point they'll still have lost because now they have, I really do consider what, what Sony is doing similar to how they just dominated the shit out of the world with the original PlayStation, which then led into everybody just de facto jumping on the PlayStation two, regardless of the fact that, you know, you guys remember when the PlayStation two launched, there wasn't shit on it. That was worth really worth playing except SSX. I was playing tech and tag and Ridge racer and NHL for Hours and hours at a time. Well, you're the exception, Pat. Goddamn it, <laughs> um, vision, no, yo. No, but like, 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 um, launch specifically speaking, um, it was kind of like getting their feet wet. What what happened with Sony? It was just kind of like, all right, well, let's see what we can do. And they didn't really start having like the real heavy hitters come in, you know, until a year into the PlayStation 2's life cycle. If Microsoft does that with the Xbox Series X, I think they're going to lose. Um, I think they got to come hard that first year and then keep the momentum going. Frankly, I think they need to pull what Nintendo did, which was come out of the gate swinging and then really not stop releasing things. Nintendo had a weird first year, but since then they've released quality stuff very consistently. Um, And I feel like Microsoft has to do that where Sony could still just lay in the cut for the first year, year and a half, because everybody knows a new God of War will eventually be coming. There'll be some sort of new Uncharted, like all of that kind of stuff. People are going to know it's coming out. They just might not be announced. Um, The next Spider-Man, stuff like that. So I just that's what I'm most interested in seeing is how Microsoft comes out swinging. I mean, because they got to be throwing, you know, fucking haymakers all day, every day for the first year, I think, to really put a dent in Sony. Yeah, you know, the, uh, the, the, at least the launch period is going to be a zero-sum game. Uh, it's not going to be a lot of people like me where they're getting both systems at launch. I think we're going to uh, see a lot of people who just, um, just for economic reasons or possibly even um, software selection reasons will be picking one side or another. Mm. Yeah. Right, and that's why I think it's most important for Microsoft to make that compelling. Because if you do have a parody in the third-party stuff, and there's not going to be that much interesting first, or excuse me, when you do have a parody with all the third-party stuff, then the thing that's going to be interesting and get people to kind of go, which do I go for in that first year or so, is really going to be those first-party games. And 
now that we know Sony's fully in to the idea of backwards compatibility, it's also going to be what are they bringing with them from the previous generation? Um, and I think that's going to be much more pronounced probably than Sony is probably aware of. Um, and in this case, I feel like that'll be one of those things that plays to their benefit, even though they're probably not thinking about it that much. Yeah. Well, I mean, for all we know, the backwards compatibility for Sony could just be PS4 games will run. Uh, I don't know if they've confirmed whether they're going to go back even further than that. Uh, but yeah, that's, so that, that's, that's where Microsoft could kind of differentiate themselves by just brute forcing all of the backwards compatibility yeah. at this point. And they sure, yeah. they, they sure spoke in absolutes about that at the game awards. Hmm. Yeah, and especially we also have arrogant Sony on our hands. So I could Sony is not the type of company that wants to give you more if they don't have to. Yeah. So I think only PS4 is most likely what we're going to see. If they were if they lost this generation, I think you'd see it PS1 through PS4's backwards compatibility hmm. as like, you know, kind of like the tactical nuke, but they don't have to do that because they know they're in a similar position as they were going from the PlayStation 1 to PlayStation 2. So I don't think they're going to put more on the board and and frankly offer more value because that's not how that company works. Yeah. Yeah. But Microsoft, uh, you know, they've been in talks with Sega for the past few months now. Uh, you know, that backwards compatibility stuff could go a little bit further than we expect. That would be amazing. <laughs> let, me, let me stick a Dreamcast disc in the new one. I'll be down. Yeah, they, 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 they could potentially do that. That's That would be amazing. <laughs> but Windows know, CE, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's why... That's why they ran the Dreamcast on Windows CE because somebody was playing four-dimensional chess and said, you know, it's going years, like years from now. 20 years from now. What if people do want to play Skies of Arcadia and yeah. they still have the disc? Hmm. And then Phil was like, you son of a bitch, I'm in. <laughs> yep. So. I'd be in. So. And so, and of course, you know, the uh, 4K because I just got some. So that's, that's going to be interesting for me to actually experience, see how that... Uh, gaming in 4K actually is. Uh, well, not really. Not the resolution is really so yeah, much 4K interesting to me. Isn't that big of a deal? It's the HDR. Yeah, that's, HDR. that's that's what I want. That's what I want to check out more. Hmm. So I've got. Uh, I want to see if, you know how Mortal Kombat 11 plays with uh, HDR. How they implemented that. Uh, I know Tetris Effect has pretty uh, effective uh, implementation of that, and, and there's probably some Tetris other games. Effect. I feel like I'm on acid playing it on my OLED. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's you, awesome. you should try it in VR. <laughs> man, I don't know if I'm ready for that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, though, man. This generation might be where I finally get – might be the generation where I finally get a VR headset, though, because I love the idea of Iron Man VR. Um, I did – I was able to play a little bit of um, Ace Combat hmm. VR, and I'm like – like that that's one of the oh my god mm-hmm. like strap in motherfuckers we're going to the danger zone like <laughs> did your food like, stay on the inside oh yeah no it did but it's still just a trip to be able to like go flying do 360s look up in the cockpit and all that just just that that feeling of like okay i know somebody is coming up on me i don't have to turn the camera i just turn my head um because VR in itself doesn't excite me that much, but that kind of stuff does. Mm. Um, so being able to provide an experience in a, in a tactile way 
that you can't really do with a controller is super, super interesting to me. So, yeah. you know, I, I'm, I'm curious to see what the next iteration of whatever VR hardware is that Sony does. You know, we know Microsoft has HoloLens, but I don't know what the fuck they're doing with it. No, that's an enterprise thing now. They're basically not, yeah. not going consumer with I that. would love to see some sort of consumer application for that, but we'll see. I mean, this gen might be – because I, I have a 2080 Ti. I can do VR on my computer too, but um, – it's just one of those things where I just don't want to purchase the equipment and kind of, you know, but we'll see. Like, the Ace Combat shit made me a fucking believer. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. So, and, and I'm real curious about the Iron Man game. Like, Iron Man would be like, okay, if this is robust enough and I can repulsor blast bitches, like, mm. I might be in. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you know, one, one of the of my more... friends. Yeah. Sorry, I just need to... Um, Andrew, one of my friends had her first experience with Gran Turismo Sport in VR yesterday and posted it, posted the video of it up on YouTube. And yeah, it, it definitely wins you over. Yeah. Once you can experience it. Yeah, I was just about to say about Gran Turismo Sport. I think one of the most uh, interesting, well, one of the most amusing things for me to, to watch was you almost fall out of your chair because uh, you were trying to uh, lean your arm uh, over onto the uh, <laughs> the uh, door. The door. Yeah. Yeah, that was not, not my finest hour. It's not there. <laughs> uh, I need to get like a towel rack or something to keep by my chair. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, it just speaks to the, the, the level of immersion. It's like it fools yep. you. Yeah. Uh, um, I put the headset on and I am really having a relaxing uh, drive around Kyoto Driving Park. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. So, all right. So, uh, what about your list, Pat? I'm all. I'm also big on board with the next gen systems, of course. Um, I am going to pull out the stops and get in on both of them at launch. Um, you know, rip my wallet. <laughs> uh, um. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this generational transition. I'm not entirely sure why, um, but just a lot of the a lot of the mood surrounding it is really exciting. I can't put my finger on it. Um, whereas with the, whereas the current generation that we're in right now, um, even even when it was about to happen, I felt it was a little too soon. So, and it ended up being one of the the best in a while. Um, yet apart from that, there's also Bravely Default 2, uh, coming to the Switch mm. that I'm really looking forward to, uh, King of Fighters 15, uh, was that Evo that it got announced at? I want to say it was Evo. Um, and then of course, Street Fighter V Champion Edition, which we already have in part, um, at this time, and... You know, all of the content will get there next month. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, I don't really think that, and I've said this earlier on the show here, um, that a lot of what I'm, a lot of what I'm anticipating has really been defined. But I'm, uh, it's going to be a big E3, and I cannot wait to see it. Yeah. Because everyone, everyone who shows up there is going to have to come out swinging. Yeah. All right. So how about you, Brendan? Uh, well, obviously Cyberpunk. That is the big one for this year for me so far. Mm. Um, I think it's going to be a lot of people's big one for this year so far. Mm. <laughs> uh, 
at least you know unless we get some amazing reveals about the new uh, systems coming from Sony and Microsoft. Um, which that might happen. They might straight up just come out with something out of the gate and blindside us. Hmm. But, Only uh, better. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, largely it's going to be cyberpunk. Um, I'm really excited in, you know, cause, uh, as far as we know, uh, CD project red's been working on this game for eight years at least. Yeah, I think um, one of their longest projects. Yeah. Cause we first, they first announced this game back in 2012. Hmm. Um, and we're now 2020, and we're on the cusp of its release. So, you know, I'm expecting it to be very polished out the get-go. I, I mean, considering the type of game it is, there will probably be some bugs here and there. Um, which CD Projekt Red is usually really good at getting at those in a timely matter. Yeah. Um, I'm also looking forward to see, because they've been making this a big point of the fact that there are no loading screens in this game uh, or anything like that. It's all complete access at the very beginning. And I really want to see how they're going to manage to get away with that, especially on PS4. Um, it's going to be amazing to see how they pull that off. And honestly, if anybody can pull it off at CD Projekt Red, those guys can work miracles. <laughs> um. And if you're having a, a gradual hard drive failure, it's going to look real interesting, I bet. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so that game is like the absolute tip-top of what I'm going for. It's where I must have freaking watched those two gameplay videos at least 58 dozen times individually. <laughs> um because and I mean and I mean that's that's just like the beta version of the game. A lot of that stuff probably won't even look that way when we actually play it. Yeah. Um it'll probably even look better cuz even during that E3 thing, even the like the NPCs everywhere who were all not terribly well detailed still looked miles better than a lot of the other stuff that was out there then already. Yeah. So yeah, I just I want to freaking play it. Mm. And I want to see if Mike Pondsmith does actually show up in the game somewhere. <laughs> he said he said that he's going to be in there. Probably. Um, and the idea he said is it was probably going to be like, because, you know, Keanu's in the game, and he's playing Johnny Silverhand, and Johnny Silverhand was like a major rock star in the cyberpunk world, so Mike Pondsmith said, eh, maybe he shows up, and then maybe I'll sneak in with my base, and we'll just see where it goes, but... <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Um, other than that, I am looking forward to hopefully what's going to be the next Dragon Age game. Bioshock really did lose a lot of goodwill with how they squandered Anthem. Bioware, yeah. Uh, didn't oh. I say Bioware? No, you said Bioshock. No, yeah. I said Bioshock. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. But yeah. Um, and they've been definitely teasing the next Bioware, I mean the next Dragon Age game for the last couple months, so we're definitely going to hear something. Um, and I'm hoping that they've managed to get EA's grubby mitts out of their out of their pies, at least to the extent that they don't have to turn it into a games-of-service garbage like Anthem turned out to be. Yeah. Um, 
Also, I do believe that they are working on rebooting Anthem itself, and we'll see where that goes. Because hmm. you know, yeah, Anthem or Realm Reborn could be really interesting. Yeah, uh, I mean, well, the, the way that the world of Anthem is built, it's something that they could very easily do. Yeah. Um, because the whole like idea behind Anthem is that it takes place in a universe that was only half created. Hmm. So there, the idea of there being like a massive cataclysmic event that reshapes the whole game field is totally something they could do. Yeah. Um, and uh, other than that, I'm also looking forward to uh, Tales of Arise. Uh, that's the next Tales game that's coming out. And the reason is because... They're doing some significantly different things from what they've done in that series in the past. Uh, it's a bit darker. Um, it's they're going with a more, I don't want to necessarily say like a cyberpunky aesthetic, but they're doubling down on the sci-fi parts this time. Hmm. Um, and you know they're also like it's the first game in the Tale series where like firearms are actually something that's going to be prevalent instead of just this rarity that you occasionally come across um they've also got like a new art art director this time around um and yeah i'm just i want to see where that goes um and i want to see what they're going to do to take this series and turn it into what are they going to do what what's the next thing that they're going to take from rpgs that they're going to completely deconstruct and rip to pieces (laughs) I want to see it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's me. So, Lee, what about you? Well, I think I'm pretty simple. Um, obviously, Cyberpunk. Mm-hmm. I think that goes without saying. Um, you know, Witcher 3 is, is one of the greatest games ever made. Um, and so, on one hand, like, I absolutely believe CD Projekt Red will stick the landing. Um, plus, I love just anything Cyberpunk. Like, that just... If they were doing Witcher 4, I would still be probably just as geeked. But the idea that they're doing, you know, their own cyberpunk game, which I, I love that aesthetic. I love those types of, of stories. So just just doing that and being in that world is something, with particularly with the way that we've seen the way that CD Projekt Red has able to design worlds. Like the, the world building and the world design in The Witcher 3 is stunning. Just when you watch, like, how settlements crop up and you start seeing walls and different things. And it's not just like a town out in the middle of the nowhere that you run into. You see how kind of like the civilizations and, and that stuff form around where they are and how everything is built up. There's a lot of thought put into it. So yeah. I'm really curious to see what they it, do with that with Cyberpunk. Yeah, it's also because one of these things is the game area, uh, like the total game area of the place you take place in Cyberpunk, isn't quite to the size of it is in The Witcher 3. Yeah. But the difference is, unlike in The Witcher 3, you have more verticality. Right. So it makes up for the uh, lack of gaming space with the content and the amount of stuff you can encounter in one area yeah exactly so i'm really curious to see what just from a world design perspective what they do and just the story and everything i mean i'm with brandon i, I must have watched some of the, the stuff they put out at least 10 or 15 times like holy shit like i can't and i wait. actually am 100 percent cool with the first person aesthetic too uh i don't know i'm i'm halfway there like i i'm Having played like the Elder Scrolls and the Fallout stuff in first person, I don't think it's going to be that much of a jump. I well, think it's just more of a thing where people are, are are iffy about it because they're not used to playing 
a CD Projekt game in, in first person. I mean, for the record, you know, you do create your own character and that you see that character plenty of times in cutscenes and stuff. So yeah. it's not like it's not like an anthem where you see like your character's face for a brief second and then never again. Right. Um, I will probably be whoring. So whoring, whoring. Yeah, in cyberpunk, yeah. I will be whoring. There will be lots of pouring to be done. There you go, man. Yeah, sure that's you. a possibility. <laughs> yeah, no, but I'm I'm looking forward to that. Obviously, I'm looking forward to was it Ghost of is it Tsushima? I'm just going to call it Ghost of Shimmy Shimmy. It's Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah. yeah so Ghost yeah. of Shimmy Shimmy. I'm looking forward to that. Obviously, that game just looks fucking amazing. Um, Axiom Verge too, just like Phil. I'm real curious to see what what Tom does with that. Yeah. Uh, um, Bravely Default too, just like Pat. But just in general, I'm looking forward to the next gen the next gen systems. Uh, overall, I'm real curious what what Microsoft's uh, plan is going to be. I'm curious what Sony is going to do, and, and I do feel like we're at a point like this is an inflection point um, for gaming in the same way that that PS1 to PS2 was um, with that generational switch, or from like the NES to the SNES. I feel like we're we're going to get into a place where we're going to be seeing some things that are unique, which I don't feel like we've really done that in a long time with with these. You know, in a lot of ways, I feel like the design of this generation systems was, you know, it was scaled down, right? Like we've always seen in the past, um, home console games, you know, once with the advent of the, the 32 bit area and then era, and then going forward where they were like, we can get these things to compete with PCs. And this generation was not that, um, whatsoever. And I feel like they're getting back to that, which I think is going to be really interesting. Cause I think, and the reason, one of the reasons I believe it's that in, the inflection point is because if we can at least have some similar parity with PC gaming, then I think you elevate gaming as a whole in general where um, people are going to start developing higher. You know what I mean? Like before it was always, well, if we're going to do this, we have to develop for multiple SKUs, including, you know, including the PC or whatever. Um, somebody always got the short end of the stick, you know? Yeah. And so I feel like we're going to, we're this generation upcoming will kind of move away from that and get back into just seeing some absolutely like crazy shit. Um, so I'm very interested in that, particularly because of the technology that's coming along with it. You know, you can use buzzwords like ray tracing and everything else like that. But what I'm more interested in is things like SSDs being used, um, and really trying to, tr- you know, tackle things like load times. And because load times, are, frankly, I've been, I think, have been one of the worst things about this generation. Yes. Um, and when we talk about trends we want to see going away, um, I listed that bullshit. I'm talking about load times, like. I can't play like GTA online with my friends because of the load times. It's so fucking awful. So seeing that kind of hopefully start to go away with this new generation and really that application of new tech um, is something that I'm really, really, really looking forward to um, because I do feel that this is that inflection point. I do think we're going to start seeing some stuff that we haven't seen before. And I think overall we're going to see a recalibration of the industry Um where some of the things that we don't like, I think, are, are going to be going away. I think some of the things that we do like are going to stick around. And I think there's going to be other things that come in that we absolutely hate that'll be like that Project $10 shit during the Xbox 360 PS3 days. You know, like I think we'll see more of that stuff crop up because I think we're also going to see these developers um, try to find, or excuse me, these publishers try to find whatever way that they can make money. Um, so I'm just, this is the first generation in a while where I'm, genuinely excited about what's going to come because I do feel like it's really wide open in a way that it wasn't before. Um, so that, that's the stuff that, that uh, I'm definitely looking forward to. And of course, Dragon Quest 12, I, I read that Hori's already working on it. They've been working on it, I think for two years. So I, I totally want to see what, what they could do 
um, with you know next gen tech because Dragon Quest Eleven is gorgeous. Um, but I'm real curious to see whatever they can do at twelve. And just as a like a broad caveat. I'm really curious to see two years into this upcoming generation what Nintendo is going to do about the Switch 2 or whatever it is they do next. Because officially with this new generation coming into play next year, um, the Switch is going to be in the same position that the Wii U was and that the Wii was before that in that the Switch is really a mid-gen console, right? Like they didn't launch at the same time as everybody else. So even though Nintendo has been, I think, firing on all cylinders um, – I think in, in the Switch has been very similar to the 3DS in that a lot of people are also really interested in the third-party games for it. Um, whether they're smaller or bigger is really dependent on what you're into. Um, but with the new generation coming out, you're going to see the Switch not get a lot of bigger titles. Um, so I'm really curious to see you know, in two years what the pivot is going to be for Nintendo to try and get remotely close to anybody because we know nintendo doesn't like saying that they're competing um but if they completely take themselves out of the running as far as power um then i think they're going to gimp themselves again in the way that they did with the wii um and with the wii u and and so I'm, that's the other thing that i'm looking forward to seeing what happens maybe a good thing maybe a bad thing but that's what i'm looking forward to i think of the it would take an almost dreamcast like uh shellacking to get them to to spark a generational transition uh, mid-gen like they did last time. Um, and technically, you you could say that uh, the Wii U was actually more gruesome than the Dreamcast. Um, but, yeah, I just... They're going to fight um, that transition, kicking and screaming. Uh, see, I don't think so. The, the, way that, uh, the way that I see it is they could have done a mid-gen Switch Pro uh, this this year or no, late yeah, last year. They could have year. done it already. They could have done it already. They didn't. And I think the reason they didn't is they were they knew that there, there's a generational transition coming. Uh, and it, it's, it would make sense to me uh, to put your R&D resources into something new uh, right now uh, so that you're ready when that happens. You know, 2021... Uh, when the switch starts waning a little bit, then you jump. And uh, yeah. at that point, you know, the switch concept will probably, I, I don't think that they'll go th- with that concept again. Uh, maybe they'll go back to a traditional console if they want to go with the power. Uh, but who knows? Maybe we'll have some really stupidly powerful uh, mobile SOCs and they can actually manage it. And, you know, we'll see. The switch ultra or whatever they end up calling it. Yeah. Mm. I would imagine a a launch of holiday 2022 or 2023 for something like that. Yeah, but yeah, but basically, I think uh, I, I think if they were going to do a transition, they probably would have already. And yeah, the 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 fact that the fact that they didn't uh, speaks that they have um, longer term plans than just uh, trying to launch with Sony and Microsoft. Yeah. Well, they would they would have pissed so many people off if they did that anyway. Yeah. Especially since they're riding high already with the Switch, and there's not yep. they don't really have to, to do too much. They they refreshed it. They made the battery life a little better. Pressure. Yeah. So it's it's all good on their side. Hmm. Uh, so let's get on with trends we want to see go away. And uh, for me, I'm going to start with paid early access. If you buy the giant hundred and thirty dollar version of a game, hi EA. Yes. Fuck you. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, go And away, the horse please. you rode in on. Yes. Uh, so I don't want to see that from anybody anymore. 
Uh, if you uh, if a pre-order includes early access to a game, uh, I would uh, hope that it would be every single version, like Sony did with the uh, MLB The Show, uh, which uh, was actually a nice gesture from them. It's like, yeah. hey, uh, you pre-ordered? All right, you're good. Play it when you're play it three days early, just because you can. Uh, so there's that. Uh, the other thing for me is uh, the subscriptions. Uh, we're getting a little bit too many of them. Yeah, uh, far too many of them. Yeah, EA's got one, Ubisoft's got one. Uh, I'm sure Activision wants to have one. Cause, uh, oh, they so want to have one. Yeah. And they're probably fucking salty that they missed the bus. Yeah. Now, Bobby Kotick is probably in his office right now stroking himself to the very idea of creating a subscription service. Yeah. I mean, all they would have to do is just do a subscription Call of Duty service and they'd make bank uh, from a lot of very, very um, non-intelligent people. Let's just put it that way. Because uh, subscriptions... Drunk a dude, bro, frat holes. Yeah, that, yeah, that. Subscriptions, um, not always the greatest deal. Uh, Game Pass I'll give a pass to. Uh, let's see what I did there. Uh, because there's actually a good deal of value there and it it's valuable as a way of sampling. Uh, plus, uh, you do get a discount if you just want to own uh, a game outright. So there's that. Uh, I guess, you know, well, EA kind of has that too, but their discount isn't really that significant. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's like there's just too many subscriptions, and it's to the point where I just don't want to do anything. I'm, like, even tempted to just not renew my PlayStation Plus at this point. Because I'm not really seeing a whole lot of value. I'm with in it. you there. I'm yeah. with you on the PlayStation Plus because I'm like I don't really play the free games that you give me, and I don't play online on the mm-hmm. PlayStation. So yeah, well, that's what that's because you got to start playing MK11 with me. <laughs> yeah, but but that's the thing. It's like if I want to play online, I could play on my PC for free, and. That's, you know, I don't, I shouldn't have to pay a subscription to play online. This is not a problem that needs solving at this point. Uh, we fixed that already. It's called Steam and the GOG and all the other uh, online matchmaking services. I mean, uh, the days where you can charge for that particular feature, I think, are long over. So, but that's my rant. <laughs> anyway, what about you, Pat? Well, the first thing I'm... I really want to get on the war drums about is the the fact that games are releasing in such a broken state, or at least shipping in such a broken state, that they have to have patches before release just to make them playable. And a thing that gets really understated in that whole practice is the fact that uh, it really undercuts the value of a physical copy of the game. Yeah. Because if you, you know, say we're... 10, 15, 20 years on, and you get a physical copy of a really hard-to-find PS4 game, and how the hell would I know what's going to be rare in 20 years? Um, but also say it released in a you know tragically incomplete state, that disc is basically a coffee coaster. Yeah, if the update servers are no longer available, yep. you're basically screwed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And so that's that's something that's really um, setting off alarms with me right now. And then another thing I want to speak on is just the excessive ceremony that I call it that goes on in online multiplayer, where um, 
after every match, it seems that it hangs on a screen of, um, you know, statistics and rankings and what have you. Dumbass dancing. Yeah. And not actually just hurrying the fuck up and getting you into the next game. Hmm. And so hopefully the, um, the move over to SSDs next gen will take away the loading time excuse. And so, um, hopefully that just means we'll see a lot less of that. But, um, I do not give developers a complete pass from that excuse Hmm. because some of it just feels like straight up design and it's got to go. Yeah. I'm with you there. Hmm. Brandon. Uh, so the big thing I'm hoping will go away this year, but probably won't, at least not for some time at least, uh, crunch times. Yeah. Um, this year was the year that the, the, uh, the issue of not, of not just crunch times, but really the labor practices of game development in general started to make news. Um, and people started to realize how, just it's just the type of stuff that people are expected to expected to deal with even though if this was any other industry uh there would either be a homicide hmm. or a suicide anyway neither one's getting out of that place alive hmm. but seriously um you know just it's, i'm i'm glad that the idea of Game designers starting to, you know, are putting out the idea of unionization now. Um, I'm glad that people are actually considering that now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm hoping that a lot of the big, the big game, because we, we saw these stories coming out from Rockstar. We saw them come out of Riot Games, especially. Um, we've seen it come out of, you know, Epic Games. You know, the type of stuff that, frankly, you would not allow anyone else to have to go through this crap if it was any other industry. But because this is an industry where people are expected to be, you know, happy all the time because, you know, I get to do something creative and I got passion. That can only fuel you for so long, dude. True that. Because <laughs> um, eventually, you know, those four-hour sleep days going on four hours sleeping you know 20 hour work days and shit that wears down on you very quickly and that's not even getting into the type of culture that it's helped manifest in the game development world Hmm. um and riot in particular is a very good example of that um but other than that yeah, I would uh, go with Pat and saying, you know, buggy half-finished releases. And again, that also kind of ties into what I just said, because there's a reason those come out like that. Yeah. Um, and it's because, you know, these are annualized franchises, and, you know, I don't care how, you know, how far that game development software and stuff has progressed. You can't turn out something like that just you know, once every year and expect to come out with gold every time. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's basically me. So Lee, what about you? Man, I got a, I got a laundry list. Um, 
Yeah, I can see that. First is definitely that bullshit with load times, um, which, you know, hopefully we'll see start to go away. Like, excessive load times have actually stopped me from from actually playing games. Like, Grand Theft Auto Online is something a lot of my friends play, and I just can't do it. Because if, you know, you get disconnected from a game, you're trying to hook up with them or whatever, something wrong, you know, something goes wrong, and you're, you're waiting two minutes before you even get back in the world. And then, okay, let's go let's go do a heist or something. Okay, cool. It'll take five minutes for that to load. So you're sitting there for ten minutes with your dick in your hand. You're not even doing anything. And it's just like it is super frustrating. So I want to see that go away. Um, I really hope to see loot boxes go away. And, and I hate to be the guy to say something like this, but I honestly wish we would get legislation on it. I know it's been toyed with. Yeah. Um, but uh, I that shit is just straight up gambling. Like if, you, if you're going to have cosmetics in your game, fine. Um, I don't really like the idea of people paying for those either, but, you know, I can see it for a game that, you know, has, has got server costs to pay and all that. If you want to give the option for somebody to pay something because they like the skin you created or whatever, fine. I feel like that's sort of a middle ground that I can meet you on. Um, but getting rid of loot boxes entirely, man, this shit is just predatory and everybody knows it is. And I don't like the excuses for it of, you know, but there's, you know, there's something new this time or that time or, you know, it's like, no, these, these companies have people on staff. They have psychologists on staff to, to take advantage of people like this. We knew, remember when steam used to do this stuff with their sales where they tried to create this idea that you may not be able to get a better deal than this. So buy now. And you know, they, they eventually moved away from that because it was, it was bad for people. And I think loot boxes are the same way. Um, and sort of as a corollary to that point, I don't also, I also want to see, um, some of these games stop being stuffed so full of bullshit that you would put in a loot box. That if you were actually to pay for these items, it would take, what, like four grand or something for you to be able to actually get all of the unlockables in the game. I think that shit needs to go away as well. Um, looter shooters in general, I think, should probably go the fuck away. Not everything has to have insane amounts of loot. And this sort of Diabloing everything, you know, where everything has random drops and shit, I just can't fucking stand. And I hope that that goes away or at least gets definitely scaled back. I'm with you guys as well. I don't want to see games that are launched uh, being broken, you know, out the gate and then, you know, require two, three months of somebody working on them extra just to make them fucking work. Just push your, your date back. Okay. You know, and, 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 I think this year has been sort of the epitome of that, where we have seen some of this stuff get launched. The most recent being, you know, Ghost Recon Breakpoint, which was broken. Um, you know, that shit needs to go away. Um, I and and also same thing as a corollary: game design by committee. Um, we've seen how horrible uh, Breakpoint is done, and that's because the game has no fucking identity. It doesn't know what it wants to be. And we've seen a ton of those types of games come out where they don't excel at any one thing. They're just kind of mediocre at everything that they're trying to do. Um, so I really kind of want to see that go away because I think it's harming um, I think it's harming gaming in general, but I also think it's hurting studios that, you know, that otherwise put out good things because nobody has any sort of vision. And if they do... They're not, they're not able to enact that vision because corporate or whomever um, is telling them to do 37 things. Like it reminds me of – I don't know if you guys ever saw An Evening with Kevin Smith, but he talked about um, – you know, when they were, when he was originally tapped to write a Superman movie, uh-huh. uh, one of the producers came in and said, well, first of all, I don't want to see Superman fly. I don't want to see him with a cape. Maybe I think it was something like he shouldn't, he shouldn't be a reporter and something else like that. And then it was like, and then in the last act, I want to see him fight a giant spider. And it's just like, 
what? <laughs> that has nothing to do with who Superman is. And I feel like we're seeing the same thing with games where um, they just don't know what they want to be in terms of – so if you have a vision like Ghost Recon is a one-shot, one-kill type of game, don't introduce bullet sponge – uh, loot, uh, bullet sponges, loot, more loot box bullshit, um, and then say that you're supposed to be on the island by yourself, but then have a hub where you can see everybody else so you can see how they're dressed. Like, that's bullshit. The design by committee, I think, is one of the things that crashed Anthem. I think it's one of the things that fucked up Destiny. Um, so that's stuff that I want to see go away. I want to see games in service, uh, games as a service in general, I don't think are viable considering the failures that we've seen with stuff like Anthem and, and games like that. So I would like to see that kind of edge out. Um, I would like to see Arrogant Sony go away. Um, Arrogant Sony sucks, even if they're producing good games. Um, Sony has the ability to, when when they're up against a wall, to produce some really extraordinary things and do right by their customers. When we have Arrogant Sony, they don't do that. Um, and then the last big thing for me, because um, I think it is something that has plagued this generation entirely, is every game trying to be so big um, that it's the last thing that you'll ever play. Um, and then gauging that sort of interactivity through um, engagement metrics. So, you know, you've seen all kinds of big companies do that. Well, engagement metrics this, you know, this month we're off the charts. And it usually leads to a type of game design um, that is hamster wheel-like at best and chore-like at worst. Um, and that shit just isn't fun. It's one of the things that ruined Forza Horizon 4. Um, and it's something that's ruined a shit ton of games overall. It's ruined WoW for me. Um, because it's like, well, you're not designing content that's fun or engaging or anything else like that. It's just designed to keep people coming back through, you know, things like paywalls, time gates, everything else. All of that shit is awful. And then I think that's also led to games like the Assassin's Creed, uh, Odyssey predicament where you could probably play that game six months straight and not see everything. And, you know, one of the things that, that Chris has mentioned on this show, and I'm just firmly believing like games should end, you know, like this shouldn't be something that, not every game needs to be designed to be the last thing that you're going to play. Like there's, there needs to be a point where all that stuff stops. Um, and that's probably the biggest thing that annoys me this generation. And it's seen more on the tail end um, because I think other stuff that we've talked about in a certain way, the markets will take care of, you know, loot boxes are either going to be taken care of because people are going to stop buying them or there's going to be legislation. I think looter shooters will overstay their welcome, that kind of stuff. Um, Broken games being launched, I don't know if that's going to go away unless people stop pre-ordering and buying shit day one. Um, but this thing where every game is so big and it wants to engage you every single day, that shit just needs to go away. And I hope uh, – my biggest, I guess, uh, thing that I would love to see I, – I should have put it in my looking forward to, but I don't know that the industry will do it. But I would love to see that kind of brought back down. And, and games not being so big that they absolutely have to be the last thing that you you're ever play. Not everything needs to be a fucking MMO or MMO light or whatever. You know, I would love to see that shit go away, like permanently. Hmm. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. So, all right. So we'll uh, on the after the negatives, we'll go to the positives and we'll talk a little bit about what we would like to see continue going through 2020. Uh, so for me, it's uh, good little indie games uh, selling a good deal of, of copies and being viable. Uh, we saw it with Uncharted Goose Game. Uh, I think we're seeing it with Disco Elysium with all the recognition that it's getting. Uh, you know, we saw it a few years ago with Senua's Sacrifice. It uh, didn't. Uh, it sold a good amount. It, it proved to be viable on the budget that it was made for. Uh, so yeah, that's what I want to see continue. Uh, 
let people make the games they want. They don't have to be $40 billion budget games. Uh, they don't all have to be battle royales. Uh, just give us games that are fun, uh, have a set length, and uh, don't gouge us and make us check in every day for no apparent reason. So that's that's where that's what I'd like to see continue. Yeah. Mm. yeah how about you, Pat? Uh, the JRPG revival that we've been uh, seeing these last couple of years. Um, I'm really hoping that we can see it sustained. I love what I'm seeing out of even Square Enix at this point, and I, you know, for a while thought they were just lost. So that's that's been a real positive. Um, yeah, I'm I'm hoping that uh, with the with the Crossbell games being announced for PS4 remakes, um, hopefully they'll get picked up for localization. So we'll be fully caught up. Well, not fully caught up on trails, but uh, so that there won't be any gaps. Hmm. And yeah, just uh, keep that momentum going. Yeah. yeah. Right. As for me. Yep. Uh, mostly just the progression of gaming as a medium itself. Um, we had two releases, one small and one big, that kind of took the idea of games and progressed them to a, into kind of almost completely new territory. Uh, we had Disco Elysium come out, which was basically a sleeper hit that proved itself to be an atom bomb because it ended up, uh, Completely blowing so much out of the water um, in just several different ways. It was funny. It was heartfelt. It was incredibly just the the potential and just all the things you could possibly do in that game. Um, it's just like they almost thought of everything. Um, and then you had Death Stranding, which... You know, a lot of people don't like, didn't like Death Stranding, um, because, you know, it was just, it, it was a very different gaming experience than what we had expected from Kojima at that point, but I absolutely adored it, and I loved the idea of, like, altruism being, like, one of the primary mechanics of this game, of you being able to leave supplies and various devices around so that the next gamer that comes out but uh, comes out behind you, you know, it makes their traverse traversal a little less arduous than the one you went through. Um, it was just great. It basically created an entirely new genre, basically. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, just I want to see where all that's going to go. Yeah, yeah, cool. That's basically me, yeah. Lee. Oh, man. Sorry. No, I'm <laughs> just looking at my list here. I mean, um, the big thing that I want to I want to see continue is, is single player games, not having multiplayer components added to them and just being a complete experience. You know, my I think probably my game of the generation would be would be God of War because of kind of what it meant to me in the time that I, I played it. But um, being able to have that complete story and, and just having that be it. Um, was something that was awesome to me. I think Spider-Man did it really well too. Um, uh, Sekiro is another one, um, and and I would even I would even put Red Dead on that on that even though it does have the multiplayer component because I almost feel like Red Dead Online um, 
and Red Dead Redemption 2 are just two completely different beasts. I don't feel like you get one to get the other, you know? Um, so I definitely want to see that, that continue forward. I think the biggest surprise of this generation was the general experimentation that we've seen, um, with genres that were sort of tried and true. I think we've seen different plays on stuff like Metroidvanias, different plays on point and click adventure games, um, even different, uh, plays on, you know, stylish action games or whatever you would like to call them. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, having more of these smaller indie studios come in this generation has been the biggest boon, um, that I think we've really probably seen in 10 or 15 years. Cause as you guys remember in the Xbox 360 PS3 generation, you know, we watched all the second tier developers, the double A's and, and all of that just fall out. The middle of the games industry fell out. And I feel like it's finally been filled back in, um, with some of these indie titles and, you know, slightly bigger games that aren't, aren't triple A. Um, and I think that's led to some really, really remarkable games, things like the Hotline Miami, Katana Zero, and, and something that I feel like takes the genre and turns it completely on its head with, with like Disco Elysium. Um, so I, I want to see that kind of stuff continue. I mean, I'm sure for every type of genre that you guys like, with the exception of like the big players in those genres, you could probably name four or five indie games or, you know, games from smaller developers that did something really, really fantastic this generation. So I really want to see that continue. Um, I want to see, I want to continue to see actually Nintendo being a success. I think they've been on fire with the Switch. I think the Wii U is one of their lowest points that they've ever had. Um, and, and kind of seeing them come back strong has been, has been really nice to see. Um, and they've just been on fire with their releases. Um, I want to see Microsoft continue to expand Game Pass. I think Game Pass um, is probably the biggest uh, switch up, so to speak, this generation. Where you know we've talked a lot about subscription uh, services over the over the, uh, the you know the last year, but I think this is actually the one that does it best. Um, and you know, particularly for people that are on a budget, you know, you could get Game Pass and you could have access to a wealth of games um, that you might not have otherwise. Which also, I think really leads me into the biggest trend that I want to see continuing. And that's for, for uh, leaders in this industry, people like Phil, um, who was one of the people that spearheaded game pass. Cause I, cause here's the thing. If you, if you, if you brought up game pass to just average stockholders, they would be like, fuck you. We want people to pay that $60 price point, no matter what. Um, but I think people like Phil have, have noticed that the trends are moving away from that. Um, and I would love to see people like him, you know, continue to step up and really lead the games industry away from being about what's good for the company or what's good for shareholders and being about what's really good for gamers. And I think we started to see steps like that this generation, again, with something like Game Pass, with crossplay essentially being forced down Sony's throat um, to where, you know, if there's something that you want to play with your friends, you're able to do it regardless of whatever console that you have. Um and so that's the kind of stuff that would be my biggest thing that I really want to see continue is seeing, you know, some more of these leaders step up, seeing these smaller independent developers, people like, like Tom, you know, Tom Hap coming in and making something that uh, a better version of a game that Nintendo hasn't made in 20 fucking years. You know, um, I, I just want to see more of that. I want to see more of that leadership come out where you can step away from what kind of the, the well-worn paths are and really kind of go your own way. Because I think that's overall, I think, is better for gamers in general. Um, and, and I think especially towards the end of this generation, we've really kind of seen that swing. Um, and God, if Sony just wasn't arrogant, Sony, I think we could see a real um, transformation. Uh, but I think Sony, or excuse me, I think Microsoft and Nintendo are really leading that that charge, and I want to see that continue. All right. Uh, finally, we'll make our predictions for the year, and uh, we'll check back on this at the end of the year and see how we did. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, first, my prediction is going to be the Xbox Series X 
will actually be significantly more powerful than the PlayStation 5 will be. But that's going to come at a price cost. Uh, I suspect that it will hit $500, if not more. I don't yeah. know if the I don't know if the general public is ready for that. I honestly don't think they are. Uh, $500 didn't do them too great when they uh, were launched the Xbox One originally, especially when they came in underpowered and had uh, bundled connect nobody cared about. But $500 for a system that's uh, 30 to 50% more powerful than the PS5, uh, some people might actually go, go for that. Uh, so that's my first prediction. Uh, second prediction is that the uh, PlayStation 5 will uh, kind of ride with the wave of its name uh, and the, the momentum that the PS4 has, uh, but it's going to launch with a very, very weak lineup like the PS4 did. Uh, you know that there are developers who are working right now on uh, PlayStation 5 games, uh, but I honestly think that the launch lineup is not going to be there. I don't know why I have that feeling, but something just tells something just feels off about the PlayStation. It's because it's, it's arrogant Sony. It's yeah. arrogant Sony. They're playing the back. They're going to see what what happens. Um, they're not going to be swinging for the fences because they don't have to. And we've seen what that happens. They they weren't swinging for the fences with the launch of the PlayStation Two. Yeah, you know, so it's like you're not going to see a God of War on PlayStation Five at launch. You're not going to see probably not going to see a Horizon Zero Dawn or a sequel at launch. Those are games you're probably going to wait on. Uh, what will you see on launch of the PlayStation Five? I don't know. There will be a Call of Duty because there's a Call of Duty every year. Uh, I think I think it's going to be largely the third parties that are going to carry the carry the torch for that system for uh, at least the first few months, uh, which is kind of how it was in the uh, when the PlayStation Four launched. Uh, and uh, of course, uh, then Nintendo is uh, going to be doing its thing. They're going to get their uh, first party uh, stuff in order for 2020, and they're they're not going to launch a new system this year, and they're just going to ride the wave and probably end up outselling both Microsoft and Sony anyway. They've already outsold the SNES this this time, so <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a weird situation because uh, for a company that says they're not competing, they're certainly kicking their asses. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I suspect that the sales of the Switch itself will probably uh, probably taper off towards the tail end of 2020. Uh, and that'll probably be when Nintendo starts making uh, rumors of uh, whatever's coming next. Um, Switch 2 or a new uh, NES. That would be a good way to go. Uh, the, the new Nintendo Entertainment System. Uh, they, could make, they could make bank on uh, just on name value alone with uh, a system launching with that name. That's, I don't know why I feel that way, but hey, works for me. Oh, go... Uh... Go back far enough. That was what we um, said they should have done with the Wii U. Yeah. And uh, I also predict, uh, I should probably put this on there, uh, that the uh, Intellivision Amica will probably make a little bit more of a splash than we expect. Uh, I I, I think Tommy Tallarico has the chops to not fuck this up. Because they've already got hardware that works, unlike the VCS, which is a clusterfuck. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah. So well, that's, that's it for me. What about you, Pat? Well, I'm going to have to disagree with you on the Xbox because I remember it 
an interview where one of them might have been Phil Spencer himself said, yeah, we launched at $500 this gen and we paid for it dearly lesson learned. And so I'm, I'm going to say that both systems are going to come in at 399, at least as a floor and probably a little earlier than we're used to. Um, normally the, they tend to launch in November. I think we might see them creep back to September or October um, really give that holiday pipeline a chance to fill up. Um, and real, I think, um, I think it's going to be an eventful E3 for that. I think we're going to see a lot more 2020 than we might be expecting. But, um, I also think that the PS5 launch, um, is going to be accompanied by a bit of a surprising PlayStation VR push. Hmm. I think they're going to really um, they're going to really refresh that um, they're really going to refresh that accessory and the PS5 um, should should be a good way to do it really yeah so okay. that's where I'm at with it okay how about you Brandon uh funny enough my prediction has to do with Cyberpunk uh. It's going to come out, and it's going to please many, but it's also going to piss off probably a very focal few. Um, for a couple of reasons. First off, it's, uh, unlike The Witcher, it's going to be a first-person RPG, and <sighs> you know how the uh, gaming community can be. Yeah. But also, uh, because of the fact that uh, both transgenderism and transgender issues are a part of this game hmm. and its story and its environment and you know how well that sells with a certain part of the gaming community yeah unfortunately and uh i don't know if you know anything about the witcher fandom community in particular but there is a very toxic part of it <laughs> i mean just look at how they reacted to the netflix show yeah believe me um so it will come out, it will be awesome, it will be massive, and it will piss off a handful of people who are just driven enough and lack that much of a life that they will do everything they can to possibly destroy it. Yeah. All right. And you, Lee, finally? Uh, so I'm actually very similar to Pat. I think we're going to see the Xbox Series X, whatever the fuck, Alexa's Brother Edition being three ninety nine, uh, and I think we'll see the PS Five being three ninety nine. However, I also think that we will see higher price models, uh, you know, deluxe editions or whatever, um, being priced out at four ninety nine. I think the reason for that is that the mid gen refresh has shown that uh, pretty much gamers are willing to pay more, um, particularly if they have a choice. I think if you have a, a difference of a few SKUs, um, then it, it enables the companies to capture uh, sections of the market um, rather than just an end-all, be-all price. So I think so. I think that's a big thing that you're going to see. I think you're going to see um, it launch at three ninety nine, but that's going to be the bare bones. Um, and I think you'll see higher price models, maybe four ninety nine, maybe even five ninety nine. You know, something like higher hard, you know, larger capacity hard drives and things like that. So um, 
And again, that comes from the PlayStation Pro, the Xbox One X. Um, people are willing to buy those things. So I think you're going to see, instead of the mid-gen refresh coming out, I think you're going to see that at the beginning here, as well as later on down the line. I think you'll see uh, that sort of mid-gen refresh. So in the same way now, you could buy a PlayStation Slim for, what, $299. You could buy a Pro for $399. I think you're going to see the same thing, uh, you know, kind of upcoming this uh, this generation. And I think it, it's going to be the most important thing that happens at the launch is that uh, these things – being overpriced is going to be the thing that's going to kill them. Um, I think Microsoft in no way, shape, or form is going to be beat on price. Um, I think they made that mistake um, with this current generation, and I don't think that's one that they're going to make again. Um, and I don't think Sony is stupid enough to do a five ninety nine again. Hmm. Uh, I just, I just don't think. I think even with arrogant Sony being, you know, in vogue right now, I just don't see that happening because of how far behind it put them with the PlayStation 3. So um, I think you're going to see a, a couple of SKUs, and I think that there's going to be choices. I do think, though, if Sony was smart, they would just stick with one SKU that was all, you know, all powerful or whatever and being 399 Um And I think that would actually help them against Microsoft if Microsoft, you know, launches multiple SKUs, which is based on the naming convention of this fucking thing. It's obviously what they're going to do. Um so, you know, Sony's branding in general is much better than Microsoft. So, but that's the big thing. I think we're going to see a lot of these games. I also think that backwards compatibility is going to be, um, huge in a way that, that, uh, I don't think a lot of people are counting on because backwards compatibility really is the bridge for people to buy new hardware. Um, and so I think if Sony comes out, um, and they're just, you know, PlayStation 4 backwards compatible only. I don't think it's going to make that much of a difference, but if they drop, did drop a bombshell like PS1 through 4 is compatible. Um, I, and, and they had, you know, a decent set of launch games, you know, at the beginning, I think that they would damn near have the generation in the bag. Um, as long as it didn't require repurchasing and basically taking what, what Microsoft's model is, um, and putting it on steroids because they have the back catalog to do it. I think that would win them the, the generation, but I don't see that happening because again, it's arrogant Sony. So that's the big stuff. You know, I think, I think we're going to see those multiple SKUs launch. And I, I, I imagine that probably the first year is going to be parody amongst, you know, um, both consoles until, you know, some first party stuff comes out. They really start showing off those differences. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it is an exciting time. I don't, I don't know what it is about this generation switch. I think it's, uh, the fact that we're, we're really, we're not just changing generations, but we're also changing media formats, if you really think about it. Uh, the fact that we're not going to be relying on spinning hard drives or SATA based SSDs at this point. We're going to NVMe and NVMe drives in the Xbox Series X in particular that are directly linked to the GPU. You have no idea how huge of a shift that is. Uh, because now you don't just have, uh, a GPU with, you know, a, a couple of gigs of RAM or eight gigs at most. If you, a frame buffer, I get a terabyte or more sitting there in easy access for the GPU. That's gonna, that's gonna, like, we're starting that uh, little teaser trailer that we saw of, uh, uh, you know, this is, uh, Hellblade 2. That's just scratching the surface of what we're gonna be able to do. If you really mm-hmm. watch that and realize that that's all in engine, uh, mm-hmm. And just really analyze what's going on in those shots. There is a shit ton of tech be- on display there. And the what's really amazing about that little trailer is it looks natural. It's mm-hmm. you know it's not jarring. It's everything looks like it's supposed to be there. Uh, and that's what I, I think we're going to start seeing now. Game worlds that 
really start coming to life uh, because access to a disc is not going to really be an issue anymore. It's, uh, you know, the, the GPU needs to draw something. It's right there for it. So uh, that's kind of exciting for me if you really think about it. Oh, yeah, it's going to be an exciting 2020 for sure. Uh, late 2020, uh, September to November probably is when we're going to start seeing those consoles come out. And uh, it's it's going to be a fun time. Uh, imagine what Kazunori Yamauchi is going to do with uh, uh, Gran Turismo. Oh, oh my shit. <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden he's got all this power at his fingertips and it's like, Day-night cycle? Like, yeah, I can finally do that. Yeah, I got a, a bundle that includes a PS5, the next Gran Turismo game. VR headset. Pl- VR headset and a pack of cigarettes. <laughs> yep. So, All right. So we are going to end it there. Uh, if you have not subscribed to the show yet, you can do so at anchor.fm slash day zero update. Hit the button there and uh, you know, pick your platform and subscribe. Uh, you can also send us a message you know, from that page as well. So, uh, yeah, do that, and we'll probably play it on the show. As long as it's not too vulgar. Well, I'm going to play it anyway, but you know, just for our entertainment. But anyways. Uh, so check us out also at smashpad.com, where we've got uh, all of our top ten lists and top five lists for uh, our top games of 2019, as well as a overall staff top ten. It was an interesting year. I'll give you that much. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens in 2020. So for Patrick Mifflin, Brandon Perkins, Lee Lamb, and the absent Chris Sologi, I'm Filippo Dinolfo, and we'll see you next week.